Hey, little buddies, it's Uncle Rick from the Uncle Rick Audio Book Club. Today, I get to say what I say at the beginning of my audio books. Hey, little buddies, it's Uncle Rick coming to you from the little house in the pasture. We can hear the birds sing, the cows moo, the horses neigh, and Uncle Rick talk to his little buddies. Because I am recording in the little house today. Usually do my podcasts at home, but today I felt like coming down to the little house for a while to read to you. So you might hear some birds singing or some cows mooing or some horses neighing. My daughter Kelly and a friend of hers are here messing with the horses today, so you might hear them clattering by as they go out to ride in the pasture. But anyway, we're reading today from a book about Wild Bill Hickok, based on true stories anyway. And he was a famous lawman in the Old West. He was also a Union soldier in the Civil War and uh, quite an adventurer. What we read today is called Teepees and Trails. Winter with its snow and cold swept over the plains country. The Indians in their sheltered winter villages went hunting with new guns and plenty of ammunition. In the scattered western forts, the soldiers settled down to the dull routine of army life. But for Wild Bill, there was work to do. Wearing the badge of Deputy United States Marshal was once more on the trail of outlaws and thieves. Before spring rolled around again, he had arrested most of the gang leaders and their followers. Each arrest brought more fame to Wild Bill. Soldiers greeted his arrival at the fort with cheers and shouts. High-ranking officers admired his steady courage and modesty. General Sheridan was no exception. The fort Wild Bill visited most frequently was Fort Hayes in western Kansas. It was a small army post, bare of comforts, desolate and lonely. But it was an important post because Sheridan had made it his headquarters. Near the fort was the little town of Hayes, a shipping point for the Santa Fe trade. A trail from the town joined the old Santa Fe Trail farther south. Like many frontier towns, Hayes was rough, tough, and proud of it. Only a year old, Hayes already had its own cemetery. It was called Boot Hill, because most of the men buried there had died with their boots on. Saloons, gambling houses, and dance halls did a thriving business. Lusty, lawless haze was no place for a timid man to live, not even for a day. In the early spring, General Sheridan sent out a call for scouts to report for duty. Needless to say, Wild Bill lost no time in hurrying to Fort Hayes. Many of his old scouting friends were already there. Some had received their orders. General has a special job for you, a scout said to Wild Bill. Special job, he questioned. What is it? One I refused, the scout replied. In fact, everybody turned it down. Sounds like it ought to be a pretty good one, Wild Bill grinned. He strode on whistling. He reported to General Sheridan, who wasted no words in telling about his plans. The Indians have left their winter villages and have come north again, Sheridan began. They're demanding the guns and ammunition which the government promised to give them. The War Department is still doing everything possible to stop that delivery. He raised his hands in a helpless gesture. There's no sense in fooling ourselves. The Indians will get the guns. And then we all know what will happen, don't we? Yes, sir, Wild Bill answered. In a week, they'll be on the warpath. Right. The general brought his fist down on his desk, rattling the papers and maps spread out before him. We must be prepared for a long, hard campaign. In the meantime, however, the Indians have to be watched. This work can't be done by my soldiers. They're trained to fight, not to scout. It must be done by you plainsmen. You know the country and the Indians. We'll do it, sir, and I, for one, will carry out orders you give me. Are you sure? I am, sir. The general studied Wild Bill for a long minute. Then his sharp eyes began to twinkle. 
The other scouts told me you were the right man for this job, he said. They were right. Sheridan pointed to a map of the Plains country. Now, this section of the Plains is my military district, he continued. It's a big one, covers hundreds of miles in hostile territory. And these forts, Riley, Dodge, Wallace, Lyon, some of the forts under my command. He looked up from the map. Now, in case of war, the Indians will try to prevent my orders from being delivered to these forts. But I must be in constant touch with my officers at these forts, as well as with my troops in the field. The lines of communication must be kept open at all times. I understand, said Wild Bill. My job will be to get your orders through to any part of your district. The general nodded. That's it, and a tougher, more dangerous job would be hard to find. Will you take it? Wild Bill did not hesitate. I will, sir. Good, Sheridan exclaimed. I won't need you for a while, so carry on as deputy marshal till I send for you. Wild Bill went about his work, trailing outlaws, and at the same time keeping a careful watch on the Indians. Early in August, he heard that the Indians had at last been given the long-promised guns and ammunition. Without delay, he headed westward for Fort Hayes. Wild Bill reported for duty to General Sheridan. The Indians, said Sheridan, went on the warpath three days after they received the guns. You said it would be a week. I was wrong, Wild Bill replied with a smile. Well, your guess was better than mine, the general admitted. He drew a deep breath. Let's get down to business. I need more information about the Sioux. I want you to scout the Sioux territory to the north of Fort Wallace. I'll leave at once, sir. It'll be a long trip. You have a good horse? A good horse, Wild Bill exclaimed. I'm riding Black Nell, the best in the world. Sheridan threw back his head and laughed. While Bill laughed, too. Well, she is the best. Of course, Sheridan agreed. He held out his hand. Good luck, Wild Bill. Wild Bill was soon on his way. He let Black Nell set her own pace, a steady, easy gait which she could keep up for miles. Riding along, he watched the trail on the rolling plains for Indian signs. Although he saw no signs, he was cautious. At night, when he camped, he ate some hardtack because he did not want to make a fire to cook supper. A fire, even a small one, could be seen for many miles in the plains country. I want to keep my hair a while longer, he said to his horse, grazing nearby. We didn't see any signs, but that don't mean the redskins aren't around, does it? Black Nell whinnied in reply. Later, after she had eaten her fill, she came to him. She pushed him with her soft, velvety nose. Wild Bill chuckled. All right, we'll turn in. He stretched out on the ground, tucked his saddle under his head for a pillow, and was soon asleep. At dawn, Wild Bill was on the trail again. Black Nell raced along. Now and then she cut fancy little capers to show her master what a splendid horse she was. You're a playful rogue, he laughed aloud. Black Nell tossed her head. Then she settled down to the business of the day. She was a scout's horse, and the trail was in her blood. For several days, Wild Bill rode northward. He saw no Indians and only a few signs of them. Then he headed west to the dangerous tory of the hostile... I'm sorry, the territory of the hostile Sioux. As he neared the territory, he became more and more cautious. Indian sign was everywhere. Dozens of trails crossed his route. He studied them carefully and decided to scout the one he believed to be the main trail. The trail led him across the open country to a stream fringed with cottonwood trees. Here the trail turned northward following the high banks of the winding stream. It was almost dark now. Wild Bill rode on, tense, alert. From the signs, he knew he was trailing a large band of Indians. 
They've camped for the night by this time, he said to himself. I must find their camp. He rode on, and several hours later came to a range of low hills. He rode to the top and reined in Black Nell. For a long time he peered into the darkness below him. Slowly, slowly, the outlines of Indian teepees began to take shape. He had found the camp, and it was a big one. Wild Bill slipped from his saddle. He touched the two revolvers in his belt. He felt his long, sharp hunting knife to be sure it was there. I'm going into that camp, Black Nell, he whispered. Wait here till I get back. Wild Bill moved down the hill with light, confident steps. To all appearances, the camp was asleep. He knew better. No Indian camp was ever completely at rest. Quietly, he made his way to the first teepee and stood beside it, motionless. He listened intently to the sounds of the night. He studied the dark shadows all around him. He made out the forms of Indians sleeping on the ground. He made out the shapes of sturdy ponies, each tied in front of his master's teepee. Directly in his path, the sleeping dog stirred in the grass. Farther on, he saw other dogs. Although they were asleep, he knew their sharp ears could pick up any noise he might make. Overhead, the breeze rustled the leaves of the trees. The murmur of the stream was soft and low. Suddenly, Wild Bill stiffened. Every muscle in his body became rigid. He had seen a light, but it had gone as quickly as it had appeared. No, there it was again. Near the center of the camp, the flap of a teepee had been raised. Inside, a torch blazed brightly. Three braves ducked into the teepee. Instantly, the flap was lowered. So that's it, Wild Bill thought. The chiefs are holding a secret council. Good, I need a little secret information myself. He took another look around, then started for the council teepee. He inched his way past the sleeping Indians and dogs, past the restless ponies. He dared not hurry. The faintest sound, even the snapping of a twig beneath his feet, could arouse a dog or startle a pony. One false move could awaken the entire camp. One false move meant death. But step by step he edged his way forward. At last he reached the council teepee. And what he heard was well worth the risk. It was clear that the Sioux were in constant touch with the Indians to the south. They knew almost to a man how many soldiers were stationed in the western forts. They knew they were being watched by white scouts. We fight, the deep, harsh voice of a chief rose in anger. We fight soon. We drive white men from Plains country. Well, I found out all I need to know, Wild Bill said to himself. I'll be on my way. He started back through the darkness. All went well until he neared the edge of the camp. A brave coming out of a teepee saw him. White men, the brave hissed. He reached for his knife, struck at Wild Bill, and missed. In a flash, Wild Bill whipped his knife from his belt. His aim was true. The brave let out a howl of pain. Instantly, the camp was in wild confusion. Squaws screamed and braves ran around, yelling their war hoops. The braves dashed to their ponies and untied them. Then, mounting their steeds, they spread out and formed a circle around the camp. Round and round they raced, yelling and screaming. I'm in a tight spot, Wild Bill said to himself, as he stood quietly in the dark, watching the Indians. He looked around for a way to escape. There was none. The camp was surrounded by the circle of racing braves. I know, he thought. I know what I'll do. He began to scream a war whoop. He danced around, waving his knife high over his head. Then, as a brave sped by on his pony, Wild Bill made a flying leap into the air. 
He landed on the pony's back, struck the brave with his knife, and gave him a quick shove. The Indian rolled off the pony. Wild Bill took his place in the mad race. Twice he circled the camp, waiting for a chance to escape. All the while he kept pulling the pony farther and farther from the circle. When he was some distance away, he made a break for the hill where he had left Black Nell. From the camp came the angry cries. Black Nell, he called. Black Nell. The sound of galloping hoofbeats told him that his horse had heard his call for help. Down the hill she came, speeding toward him. He swung from the Indian pony and onto his own horse. Good girl, he praised. Now let's go, Black Nell, let's go. Under the cover of darkness, Wild Bill made his escape. Several days later, he reached Fort Wallace. He warned the officer in command to be on the alert for a Sioux attack. Then he rode on, almost 130 miles more, to Fort Hayes and reported to General Sheridan. The Sioux are on the warpath, he said. They'll be ready soon. That's the information I need, Wild Bill, said the general. Thanks for getting it for me. Did you run into any trouble? Well, yes, I did, Wild Bill grinned. Briefly, he told of his night in the Sioux camp. As he finished, he said, If it hadn't been for Black Nell, I would have lost my hair. Black Nell's a wonderful horse, laughed Sheridan. But you saved your own life. You don't lose your head when you get in a tight spot. You're a good scout, Wild Bill, the best I've ever known. Daily, the Indian trouble became more serious. Soldiers were kept on the move. Scouts rode the trails. At Fort Hayes, General Sheridan decided on a bold military campaign. He would wage a winter war against the Indians. It can't be done, his officers protested. Our soldiers can't march in deep snow. Supplies can't be hauled to us. We'll either freeze or starve to death. We will fight, said Sheridan. Those are my orders. The news of the general's plan created a sensation. For days, the soldiers and scouts talked of little else. Many agreed with their officers. Others agreed with Sheridan. While Bill, returning from a scouting trip late one night, was told the news by a guard. That ain't all, the guard continued. General Sheridan sent for Custer. He's on his way. While Bill let out a war hoop. Now we'll get something done. Are you for this crazy plan? Sure I am, Wild Bill answered. What do you want to do all winter? You want to sit around and let your hair grow? If you do, it'll be a nice scout for some feather duster when he catches you up in the spring. The campaign against the Indians was soon underway. Troops, guided by whole companies of scouts, were sent to forts near the Indian Territory. Later, when winter came, they would receive their orders to close in on the Indians. Custer arrived, ready to take over his command, the colorful, sturdy 7th Cavalry. Not quite a year had passed since his trial. Handsome and dashing as ever, he was glad to be back in the thick of the fight. Custer greeted Wild Bill with a friendly smile. How's my favorite scout, he asked. I wanted to have you assigned to my command as chief scout, but General Sheridan tells me you're carrying out special orders for the Army. Yes, I am, Wild Bill said. I wish I could ride with you, sir. understand the 7th will see plenty action. Yeah, not any more than you'll see. The two friends talked a while longer. Then, after wishing each other good luck, they parted. Custer headed down the trail to Fort Dodge, where his regiment was waiting for him, while Bill rode westward with the troops marching to Fort Lyon in Colorado. As soon as Wild Bill reached Fort Lyon, he was sent out to scout. He was to scout the country to the north, where the Indians had recently killed and burned a party of settlers. The attack had taken place near Gomer's Mill, a sawmill settlement some 50 miles southeast of Denver. Close upon the heels of the attack, the Indians had struck again. This time they captured a boy playing in the creek a short distance below the mill. 
Four days later, a search party found the boy's body. While Bill headed straight for Gomer's Mill, along the way he kept a sharp lookout for Indians. He was, of course, riding Black Nell. As usual, the spirited horse raced over the trail. After two days on the trail, while Bill rode into Gomer's Mill, he started toward the sawmill, the biggest building in the little settlement. Hello, the boy called out. Who are you? While Bill reined in Black Nell. My name's Hickok, he said. He grinned as he added for the boy's benefit, Wild Bill Hickok. Wild Bill, the boy shouted. Wild Bill. His shouts brought the men running from the mill. Children, laughing with excitement, came flying from their games. Women, some with babies in their arms, rushed from the log cabins. Wild Bill, said the first man to reach him. We're mighty glad to see you. We're making up a scouting party. Will you scout with us? I'm sorry, Wild Bill replied. I'm out on orders. A woman stepped forward. My son was killed by the Indians, she said quietly. She looked up at him. Please, Mr. Hickok, help us. We're fighting for our homes. A silence fell over the crowd. Wild Bill glanced around. Strong, rugged men watched him. Anxious, frightened mothers waited for his answer. Unable to meet the steady gaze of their upturned faces, Wild Bill looked away. What should he do? he asked himself. If he scouted with the men, he would be delayed. If he went on alone, he would for the first time in his life have refused a plea for help. The thought bothered him. I could make up the time I'd lose by riding day and night, he said to himself. That settles it. He swung from his saddle. All right, I'll help you, he said. Each man's to take with him plenty of ammunition and a week's supply of food. Get ready to hit the trail. An hour later, Wild Bill and 34 men were on their way. They headed eastward, following the trail over the hills. They rode up and down canyons and across welcome stretches of level plains. For several days they scouted the country. Although they found a few Indian signs, they saw no Indians. Redskins must have gone to their winter camps, said a man. While Bill shook his head. We haven't seen any Indians, not even a small band, the man insisted. Yes, and that's strange, said Wild Bill. Maybe the chiefs have called in all their braves. Maybe they're planning to attack the mill. We better get back, boys. There aren't enough men left at the mill to put up a real fight. At once the party started on their homeward trip. The men rode swiftly, sparing neither themselves nor their horses. To save time and miles, they took a shortcut to the Big Sandy. They reached the creek one afternoon about three o'clock. Wild Bill in the lead raced Black Nell to the top of the hill. Here he reined in his horse. Far away, he saw a war party of at least 500 Indians. They were spread out on the plains and were riding toward the hill at breakneck speed. Bright war bonnets streamed out in the wind. Sunlight flashed on lances and spears. While Bill, like all plainsmen, could not help but admire the nerve and daring of war-painted braves. One quick look, however, was enough for him. He whirled Black Nell around. This is it, boys, he called. Dig in. Quickly, the men set to work. The earth flew in all directions as hunting knives dug a shallow ditch. While the men worked, Wild Bill gave his orders. When the attack starts, he said, half of us will fight. The rest of us will take care of the horses. He glanced at Black Nell standing nearby. He dropped his hand. Instantly, the horse fell to the ground and lay still. A war hoop rang out as the Indians swept up the hill. Arrows whizzed through the air. All right, men, said Wild Bill. Let him have it. The attack was on. Fortunately, the men had plenty of ammunition. Wild Bill had seen to that. The men kept up a steady firing, and the Indians retreated. Riderless ponies sped away, their masters lying dead on the field. 
After a hurried powwow, the Indians again rushed the men. Blazing guns broke up the wild charge. Again, the Indians retreated. But time and again, yelling their savage war whoops, they returned. Each time, they were driven back by the deadly, accurate rifles of the scouts. At sunset, the Indians finally gave up the attack. They withdrew to a safe, respectful distance beyond the range of the white man's guns. They began to make camp. They're through for today, said a man. They may be through, but I'm not, said Wild Bill, loading his rifle. He started down the hill. At the same time, three Indians raced from camp. When they were within a hundred yards of Wild Bill, they began to fire. Wild Bill felt a stinging pain as a bullet struck his right leg. He threw up his hands and staggered forward. He fell to the ground, still holding his rifle. The Indians, kicking the sides of their ponies, sped toward him. Just when they were almost upon him, Wild Bill leaped to his feet. He fired twice. Two Indians rolled from their ponies, dead. The third brave whirled his pony about, but he did not get very far. Wild Bill's gun barked. The Indian was on his way to the happy hunting grounds. Limping a little, Wild Bill returned to his men. They crowded around him while he bandaged his leg. As luck would have it, the wound was not serious. How are we going to get out of this, Wild Bill? A man asked. I don't know yet, but I'll think of a way. It's hopeless, spoke up another. We're in a tight spot, Wild Bill admitted with a grim smile, but it's not hopeless. He pointed to a break in the hill near the Indian camp. If I could get to that gap, he said, then I could ride on to the mill. You crazy? asked a man. Redskins would kill you before you reach the gap. Nevertheless, I'm going to try it, said Wild Bill. If I make it, I'll ride to the mill. I'll round up the men and be back here at daybreak. Be reasonable, Bill. The mill's 45 miles from here, and that means a 90-mile trip. No horse in the world can make that run. Black Nell can make it. No, not even Black Nell. It'll kill her. I know. I've thought of that. Wild Bill looked over at his horse, still lying flat on the ground. He turned back to the men. Our lives, and maybe the lives of the people at the mill, are at stake. I have no choice. Black Nell and I'll do our best. That's all I can say, boys. Wish me luck. Good luck came from several different directions. Wild Bill whistled softly. At the signal, Black Nell was up, shaking the dust from her big, strong body. And while her master tightened the saddle strap, she nudged him playfully. He stood for a minute, talking to her quietly. Then he swung into the saddle and started down the hill. He rode slowly, watching the Indians to see when they would notice him. He was almost halfway to the gap when he heard a brave shout. The Indians rushed to their ponies. In an instant, two lines of yelling redskins began to close in on Wild Bill. Wild Bill touched Black Nell lightly. The horse laid back her ears and drove, broke into a gallop. She raced straight between the lines. Bullets and arrows whistled past, missing horse and rider by inches. Firing as he rode, Wild Bill reached the gap. Over the shrill war hoops of the Indians, he heard the cheers of his own men. He turned in his saddle and called, Try to get me now, you feather dusters. And for miles, the Indians did try. But at last, the pounding hoof beats of their ponies died away. They had given up the chase. Wild Bill raced on through the darkness. The trail was even rougher than Wild Bill remembered. The good old Black Nell took it all in her stride. Up and down the hills, up and down the canyons, and across the level plains she sped. She needed no urging from her master. About nine o'clock, Wild Bill rode into the little settlement. Black Nell had made the run in less than three hours. She was covered with foam and breathing heavily. 
Wild Bill patted her affectionately as he dismounted. He ran to the first log cabin and pounded on the door. A man opened and Wild Bill entered. Get every settler around here, he said. The boys are in trouble up on the big sandy. Engines, the man exclaimed. He reached for his gun and dashed from the cabin. Within a few minutes, the settlement was aroused. Men and boys, old enough to join the rescue party, hurried to answer the call for help. Some rode to the homes of their neighbors and came back with more volunteers. Shortly after midnight, thirty men and boys were ready. Following Wild Bill, they headed for the trail. Since it would take the party longer to make the return trip, Wild Bill felt less concerned about Black Nell. He listened, however, to her breathing to detect signs of too much exertion. He watched her speed. And it was with a sick heart that he realized she was at last growing weaker. She was making a sort of whistling sound as she breathed. Gradually, the sound deepened into a deep roar. The flashing speed was gone. Only her game spirit drove her over the rough trail. Once she stumbled and almost fell. Steady, my girl, said Wild Bill. Steady. In the east, the early light of morning began to dawn. The outline of the distant hills became clearer. Wild Bill reined in Black Nell. He signaled for the party to gather around him. Boys, he said, we're almost there. When we ride over the hills, everyone's to yell at the top of his lungs. We have to make the Redskins think at least a hundred men are sweeping down on him. You understand? They understood. Tight-lipped and grim, the men rode toward the hills. At the top, they began to yell. Following Wild Bill, they raced straight down to the Indian camp. The Indians, taken by surprise and believing that a large party was attacking them, fled. They didn't even put up a fight. Needless to say, the thirty-four men, saved from certain death, cheered long and loud. They praised Wild Bill to the skies. Hard, rough hands slapped him on the back. The credit belongs to Black Nell, he said. I thought for a while she couldn't make it, but she did. When she no longer had speed, she had courage. He turned quickly away so the men wouldn't see the tears in his eyes. Black Nell nudged him with her soft, velvety nose, while Bill threw his arms around her neck. You've always been a wonderful horse, he said, and our last ride together was your best. His voice broke. You ran your heart out on the trail, my proud, gallant Black Nell. And that's it for today's podcast, little buddies. I think I'll go out and do an hour or so worth of bush hog, clean up some of these weeds I got growing in the pasture here. Look forward to reading with you again next week anyway. And uh, as we part company, I just want to remind you, as I always do, put God first in your life, be a patriotic American, and honor thy father and thy mother. So long. Parents, if your kids love today's visit with Uncle Rick, know that they will love the Uncle Rick Audiobook Club. The Uncle Rick Audiobook Club allows access to dozens more stories, both from the Bible and history, to help your kids learn about godly character. Here's what one parent had to say about the Uncle Rick Book Club. Uncle Rick products are such a delight to our family. Our kiddos listen nightly to the Bible stories and fall asleep listening to God's word. These Bible audios are such a super reinforcement to what we as parents already teach our children. They provide our kids with a kind, gentle voice, pointing them to obey God and His Word. Thank you. That was from Shelley. You can access the Uncle Rick Book Club at UncleRickAudios.com. See you there!